0: Welcome to the Behind the Mark podcast with your host Mark Myers, the sports talk show where we talk about Georgia high school athletics, college sports, and today's hot topic regarding sports. Today's guest is a really good friend of mine, Coach James Lyle, who is the head football coach at Stone Mountain High School. How you doing today, man? Doing great. How you doing, Mark? Hey, man, I'm doing fine. So, uh, before I let you kind of talk about you know your journey you got to Stone Mountain High School, I want to kind of let the listeners know how me and you met. Um, I met Coach Lyle in 2014 uh, when I got the head coach job at Dutchtown High School. He was the first guy who I hired to be uh, my defensive coordinator, and I met him through a really good friend of mine, Coach Mo Starr, who was the head coach at Henry County High School. Uh, Coach Starr had interviewed Coach Lyle for the defensive coordinator job. And although he did not hire Coach Lyle, um, he decided that this was going to be a right, the right guy for me <coughs> for what I wanted to do uh, with my defense. And so I knew immediately, you know, once, you know, me and, me and you met, Coach, that uh, you was the guy for the job and you was the guy that I wanted to take the job and lead our defense And, you know, we've been friends ever since. So just kind of, you know, for our listeners, our listeners, you know, tell tell the listeners a little bit about your journey and how you got to where you are.
1: Uh, I mean, it all starts back from a small town in Jackson, Georgia, Button County. Uh, That's where I'm from. Uh, Four-year letterman. Uh, Love football. Uh, Come from a very poor background. And, you know, basically you had two options or three options either one you're doing drugs or doing something illegal or you're working digging ditches or doing some type of warehouse or uh you can be that special person to get a higher education and and prosper and you know better yourself so i i tried my best work my butt off uh to try to change change the perspective of my family outcome and uh went to college. Uh, unfortunately for me it was a little bit I'm a journeyman I'm a journeyman as a head coach so um, I went to junior college uh, then went up to Union College in Kentucky um, stayed there played there for a year and unfortunately um, my, my grandmother passed that's who raised me and uh, decided to come back home finish finish my degree and uh, basically bounced around from job to job. I've been blessed to be with people that really have saw the, 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 the drive and the, you know, the, the hunger of trying to, um, to to improve myself from day one, especially in the coaching business. Uh, so, you know, for years as a defensive coordinator, I ended up taking an opportunity when I was, 20, you know, 26, 27 years old to be a defensive coordinator. Um, came back to Georgia, uh, coached, coached as a coordinator, coached as an assistant coach. And like you said, the way we met, you know, it's crazy. The other part of the story what people may not know is Coach Starr, which if you know Coach Starr, he is, a, he is particular on his coaches. He will interview you and grill you to, to know to know him to make sure you know your, your stuff. He's and through good. that interview, and through that, internet, uh, through that interview process, he sent me questionnaires, 10 questions about situational football, this, that, and the other. And I would send it back in moments notice. And, and for some reason, uh, he gave me an interview and he was like, listen, I just had to meet you because I've never had anyone um, do the questions and complete all the, the tasks so quickly. So I wanted, and with, with fidelity, and so he wanted to interview me and we interviewed and of course he's a 4-3 defensive guy. And I'm a 3-5 guy. So, like you said, uh, it just wasn't a match through the interview. And uh, But lo and behold, he gave me your number. We talked and, you know, our friendship began and our coaching relationship began since then. And, you know, I, I do uh, think you're uh, a dear friend and without you as a mentor, you know, I wouldn't be where I am right now. Hey, I appreciate that, man.
0: Definitely, definitely. Definitely appreciate that. You know, so, you know, you you definitely, you know, mentioned the 3-5 defense, and I'm a 3-5 guy, and I know that was one of the big things that, you know, kind of drew me and drew my attention to you, you know, during that. You know, I I, I tell Coach Starr, you know, I, I, I thank him for passing up on you. <laughs>
1: <'Cause>, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, I. We regret it now, but you know that—that's life. And you know, all—all all of our—all the coach trees that we have, especially with the one that me and you are connected with, they're all four, three guys itself for us. Like, right? You know, those guys just paint different.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely. So you know, one, you know, you're you're at Stone, so you find yourself now as the head coach at Stone Mountain. You just finished your first uh, season as the head coach there. You know, for a lot of guys, you know, there are a lot of guys in the coaching profession who they want to be head. they want to be a head coach, they want to get their first opportunity. And, you know, for you know, for some people, you know, they go on dozens of interviews and they go years before they finally get that opportunity. Kinda, of, you know, tell me a little bit about, you know, how you ended up at Stone Mountain. Like, what was the process like of you getting that job?
1: Well, the process started is uh, we actually, I was at Morrow High School as the defensive coordinator there for three years, and we actually played them in our August scrimmage. Um, so when I saw them, you know, went back and watched film when I saw the opening in uh, early um, November, December, and uh, just I just remember, you know, shaking hands with the kids, seeing how they were very athletic but just small in group and you know, um, not very um, consistent on, on either end, but so that I thought I could handle and change in the process. Uh, so that was my first mind. I want, you know, and I tell this to any coach now is don't don't go to a place just to be a head coach. Go there with, with a purpose of knowing that you can change. You know, uh, just being a head coach is not not always the best thing and I know you told me that time and time again but you know again that's something that I entail and I keep with me as well but the process and was basically I interviewed you know you always want to send uh, send out an interest letter to the principal Uh, you want to send an interest letter letter with uh, the AD and um, you know try to process as much as they can and then some of them will direct you to you know, the application process or something uh, of that nature. So um, I applied. Uh, it takes a little bit of time. But I also, during that time, that's your prep time, which as a young head coach, you know, you need to be prepared as if it's, it's a Friday night. You can't just go in there and just wing it. Um, you know, they'll see that right off the rip. And they, most principals are not coaches. You know, they're not coaches. They want more. You know, uh, another mentor of mine always says, "You know, you gotta, you gotta be able to demonstrate and communicate how you're gonna leave this team without X's and O's of football, uh, because you know, nine out of ten times uh, the principal has no clue of X's and O's in an interview." Yeah,
0: definitely yeah. A lot of people don't realize how. necessarily have to be you know the best uh sports or x's and o's type person they just need to basically uh support i think your vision and your mission of what you're trying to do and um a lot of people don't realize uh how important that is i think coaches do but i don't think parents or fans or just the average person realize how important it is to have consistency with your administration you know um you know, my, my next question for you is, you know, like you, like you stated, you've been to a couple of programs, you know, you've been in Florida, you've been here in Georgia at Morrow and Ola and you with me at Town, and, you know, you have obviously a number of mentors, you know, even from you know, the Jackson High School days. Uh, you know, what is it that you have gotten from these other programs and have brought with you to stone mine because i know for me uh i've been under some really good head coaches and i have been able to take something from each and every single one of these guys and kind of implement it into my own program that i thought would help me have success you know kind of run me through some things that you that you may have brought with you
1: i mean i could take and choose everything since i started um you know, and that's what you try to do as a, as a new head coach is you, you, you watch and evaluate things that at every program that you try to put in your pocket. Because some things go well, and then some things are just not your cup of tea everywhere you go. But, you know, like, you know, uh, Mike Paris was my head coach. You know, he's the last winning coach uh, at Forest Park. Uh, he came down and took over our program in a small one high school uh, county school and his charisma, his way of moving and being able to communicate with the community—that's something that I take, um, you know, from you. Uh, your energy, you know, you know. When I was at Dutchtown, that was one thing that you constantly, constantly tried to put us, you know, as assistant coaches and as coordinators—is our energy, making sure that. But we're going out there with the best energy to get what we, the results that we want from our kids. You know, again, I'm pushing my assistant coaches and, and my players with the energy to, to get better that day. You know, one of the things, you know, you know, did you get better, or you know, it's either you got better, or you didn't. That's one of the things you would always in practice with, and uh, that's something that I, you know, I took from your playbook and put it in mine. Uh, with my energy to my coaches and to my players, you know, at, at Morrow, Morrow being able to understand uh, socioeconomic, you know, not to say, you know, not to say that we didn't have uh, a lot, but we didn't have much. And I know you coming from Clayton, um, you know, you know, it's tough. It's tougher. And then coming into the cab is definitely, a, you know, the same kind of circumstance. it's just a different area. Uh, but that socioeconomics to squeeze that juice out, you know, getting everything you can, making sure financially, making good financial decisions, not for you personally as a head coach, but making financial decisions as, as, to better your program, whatever little money in, 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 that you can bring to, you, to your organization. So those, those are all little, you know, little tidbits that I can give you off the top of my head of just, um, uh, how every head coach is imprinted of what I'm, what I'm now delivering here at Stone
0: Mountain High School. Yeah, you know, and you know, just trying to do a, a lot with a little. You know, you, you know, you're going to play against, you know, some pretty good programs and some pretty good schools that have a lot more resources than you, have a lot more money than you, and a lot more support and. That's very important for parents to realize that the more support that they can bring to the program, the better they are. Um, so, you know, as, as I, you know, go through through my questions, one of the things that, you know, I always try to ask, you know, people who are brand new head coaches is, you know, for me, I know when I became a head coach, Coach Star, who we just was talking about, one of the things that he said to me was, Uh, even though he felt like I was prepared to be a head coach, there were some things that I wasn't going to know or learn until I actually became a head coach. I could sit up underneath head coaches and be a good assistant and a good coordinator for years, but there were just going to be some things that I just wouldn't learn unless I became a head coach. Sort of like, you know, one of the analogies I like to use is you'll never learn how to swim unless you jump in the water. You can watch as many videos on swimming that you want. You can you know, go to people for tips but unless you actually jump in the water, you ain't gonna learn how to swim. So, you know, what is something that you learned, uh, in your first year of being a head coach that you know, you just didn't know about or didn't know, you know, going you know, before you got there?
1: Yeah, Uh um, I mean, there. I could give you a list long as as, as, as you can get, but uh, one of the things that I felt like I learned and now I'm doing better of is being able to um, understand the delegations and the communications through uh, my county. Uh, as you know, every county is different. Uh, we, you know, I know between us, uh, we've been to Henry and Clayton and the and They all run a little different. You know henry probably being the most different but just understand understanding you know not double spending not you know your budgeting your your communication with you know uh central office and county uh, you know administrators to to understand what is what is what are they there to assist you for and what are you having to do to fundraise for uh those things you know you know, coming from Henry County, knowing that you know they're pretty much individ- individual, you know, sanctions and organizations. So you know, fundraisers, community support is is tremendous in growing their program. Um, you know, look, you know, fortunate for me, I'm in the cab. So the cab does a lot of stuff with helping um, different programs with the, the essentials. Um, so just learning those those. There's do's and don'ts, and there's delegations that each county has. That would be the first thing um, that I recommend a coach to do, a head coach to do. Once, once you you know taking the job, what is the county providing? What are county What are the expectations as you as the head coach for? You know your budget, because that's the that's the biggest thing that really sets you apart and actually helps your program grow.
0: Yeah, I I tell people all the time, one of the first things that I had to learn, you know, as a head coach is really just communication with the parents. You know, um, people don't realize that, you know, as an assistant, uh, whether you're a coordinator or a position coach, uh, your head coach almost shields you from having to deal with a lot of uh parents, you know, a lot of the parents' complaints and, and gripes. A lot you know, even if they're complaining and they and they you know play the position that you coach, the head coach is usually the one who has to sit down with that parent. So you don't really get to deal with that stuff. And that was one thing that I really didn't have to deal with as an assistant. And but when I became a head coach I realized very quickly that you know, this is something that, you know, I had to learn how to do if I wanted to be an effective communicator and, you know, make sure that all of my parents are on the same page with me. Um, you know, one of speaking of parents and players, you know, one of the hottest topics in Georgia um, in almost every year for the past couple of years is just the number of transfers. They They're going up higher and higher every year. And you coming from Florida, but you spent some time down there. You know, Florida is a different kind of ball game when it comes to that because it's kind of like kids can just go wherever they want and, you know, it doesn't matter. There's no consequences for it. They're free to move how they they please. So it's kind of almost like the wild, wild west. I heard a coach down there one time say that every year he has a different team because he's guaranteed that He's going to lose 18 or 20 players and he's going to gain 18 or 20 players. Here, we kind of got some restrictions on the transfer, but um, they are, I would say, they are not enforced as much. Um, And, you know, maybe, you know, GHSA doesn't have the manpower or. Whatever You know, I'm not sure I'm not here to criticize anybody. I think GHSA does a great job and, uh, you know, they have a lot to deal with. So obviously that's something that, you know, they can't allocate, you know, unlimited resources to all the time. But with that being said, you know, kind of tell me your thoughts on on this topic. And, you know, if you would like to see something done about it or, you know, if you're fine with it.
1: It, to me, you know, obviously we've seen trends where, where some schools get 13, 14 transfers. Um, you know, uh, I, I'll have to have to really um, – I think James Jackson, our county AD, he does a great job of talking about this. He basically says, you know, as a head coach, there's nothing much you can do. If a kid wants to transfer, then, he need, then, then let him go. But again, it needs to be by all means by Georgia high school regulation, you know. And as me as the head coach, I need to follow up and make sure that he that if there is a move, then it, uh, then it you know, or there there's a reason for him transferring. You know, again, you need to have that communication with the parent, but also you just you need to make sure that that kid is moving where he's supposed to and do the delegation and the process like it's supposed to. But, you know, as far as transferring, I wish, you know, I wish kids would understand that it doesn't matter. Um, They they listen to this propaganda from a lot of kids because, you know, 90% of our kids or all kids want to go to college. They want to play ball, go to college. But what they don't understand is if you're good enough, they'll find you. And um, as coaches, you really have to build that bond with your players to let them know that um, you know you have their back, you have their best interest. Uh, that there's there's no reason to transfer, there's no reason to move. That what you're getting here, you're going to get over there as well. Um, so with the transfer, with the transfer policy, I think Georgia High School has done everything and anything to just to to negate any kind of illegal things going on but in the end of the day parents parents are going to choose a winning program over a losing program Um, and it's your job as the head coach to to try to you know to, to build that relationship and let them know that it's not all about wins and losses and championships it's also about Making so your child is going to get one a good education but two if they if they if they're doing what they're supposed to in the classroom and on the football field it, it really doesn't matter um the wins and losses of a person it matters of the product and the product on the field and off the field as, as a student
0: athlete. yeah I, I mean i definitely 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 understand that I was having a conversation with uh, Jason Carrera, who was the head coach at Meadow Creek, not too long ago, and the best way he put it was, was that he understand he understood rather that his school was very transient, and he was going to get moving and move out all the time. So what he set out to do was. He, to stop his, try to stop his kids from going to some of the bigger or more schools, the schools that win the most, was to give them the same experience at Meadow Creek that they would get at any other school. He wanted to make sure they have a first-class program and he ran first class, and uh, that made a lot of sense to me, like, you know, a lot of times, you know, people are trying to find ways to stop uh, kids from leaving because they don't want to leave but at the end of the day I think if you give them something to not want to leave then you know they'll stay so you know it's kind of a number of ways you can look at that man so uh, my my final question for you Uh, we we are dealing with uh, obviously this coronavirus stuff here uh, in the United States and here in Georgia we are out of school but we don't know how long, you know, they've already told us at minimum, uh, probably up until spring break. Um, and even after spring break, we don't know if we're even going to have, um, you know, a spring football. We just don't know right now. Everything's so up in the air, you know. Kind of tell me a little bit. What are some things that you are doing to keep your players focused on being prepared for next season? even though we can't have any contact with them from face-to-face or, you know, have, you know, sessions with them at the school or anything. Is there anything that you're doing to kind of help, help with this situation?
1: Yeah, I mean, I stay in contact. We have uh, some huddle stuff that uh, we're able to communicate with them through huddle. Uh, we also have group chat. Um, I know a lot of my guys are working out. Uh, they do have, some of my guys have built relationships and have individual trainers. So, you know, just really just staying, um, staying atop of these guys and just, you know, really communicating. But, but again, with the situation that we're we're going with, you know, it's safety first. So, you know, I really can't, you know, I, I can't really get upset with them. But they, they understand, and luckily, I'm coming in this second season with a, A big senior class. Um, So hopefully, you know, the maturity of my my football team, they already know what's at stake this year. Um, So they, they, you can, you know, I didn't really have to start anything. I just look in the group chat and I already see, hey, you know, these guys are already kind of close net. So they're pushing each other. I think um, there's a push-up challenge going on inside the group chat, stuff like that. They're just trying. Again, I told them to abide by the rules because the worst thing you want to, you know, is a sick kid. uh, And and we don't know how this thing, um, you know, we don't know all the information about this. So, you know, again, the, the contact, making sure that they, you know, stay in, abide by the rules. You know uh, what what they're trying to impose to to make sure we stay safe, but also knowing that they can still have fun and, and push themselves. to, you know, like like good old Herschel 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 Walker did. He have he had much weight training when he was in high school, and he, he was a phenomenal player. So it's just all about dedication and determination.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think for each and every single player, if they want to get some work in, they can. Get working uh you know i think this is the time where we we're gonna find out very quickly who our dedicated players are and which players are actually hungry and want to actually get better you know uh well coach man you know i as always man i I, I thank you for you know coming on the podcast and you know kind of sharing your insight your thoughts and talking a little bit about your journey and uh, I appreciate you for coming on the show, man. Appreciate it. All
1: right. Man. Thank you, Mark. I couldn't do it without you, man. I really do.
0: Okay. Uh, that's a wrap for this episode of the Behind the Podcast, Behind the Mark Podcast. I'm sorry. Uh, thank you to all my listeners out there. I pray that each and every single person that is listening is able to take something from this show that will impact or change your life in some sort of way catch you guys next week on my next episode. Welcome to the Behind the Mark podcast with your host, Mark Myers, the sports talk show where we talk about Georgia high school athletics, college sports, and the day's hot topics regarding sports. Today's episode is really a, a very special episode for me because it is actually the first episode that I'm airing on my podcast. Um, a little bit about the history of my podcast and how it got started. About a year ago, um, I just kind of built this passion for wanting to share to my audience and to Uh, people who I interact with on a daily basis whether it be on social media uh, whether it be at school or just you know people who I know in my family I wanted to share uh, some things that I am passionate about basically everybody who knows me knows that I'm very passionate about high school athletics I'm very passionate about uh, college sports and uh, I'm very passionate about helping kids and helping other coaches And so I decided that one of the best ways to share this is by starting a podcast. And I wanted to start something that was unique and a little different from some of the other podcasts that are out here. You know, there are very many podcasts that are out here, but there was nothing really out here that kind of geared people toward uh, high school athletics. Um, Maybe there's one or two out there, but... Uh, there there aren't very many that I've come across. So I wanted to start one that kind of catered more to my audience and the people that I know. And hopefully, you know, somebody gets something out of this. Hopefully there's a coach who gets a golden nugget that helps uh, them in their program or helps them to get their first head coaching job. Uh, maybe there's a, a, a parent or a player out there who learn something from this podcast that helps them uh, through their journey. So this is kind of, you know, how this thing got started uh, a little bit about me. You know, my name is coach Mark Myers. And obviously, like I said, I'm host of this podcast. A little bit about my history with athletics and sports. I played uh, football. I started playing football at the age of 11 years old in Jersey City, New Jersey. Uh, then I moved here to Georgia um, in the eighth grade, actually, and played my one year of eighth grade ball. Uh, then moved on to high school where I played for uh, where most of people in Georgia know about McEachin High School. Big time powerhouse program. I played underneath the guy named Jimmy Dorsey who was just uh, a great coach who's now in the Georgia High School Hall of Fame. And I was lucky to be on a team that relatively only lost about seven or eight games in total in my whole four years. And so um, from there, I went on to Georgia Southern University, where I was a part of a team that won two Division I AA or Division I FCS uh, national championships and... You know, that really uh, taught me, you know, being in both of those programs really taught me how to win and how to win at a high level. It taught me the importance of teamwork. It taught me the importance of, you know, having great coaches and just really being a student of the game. Uh, From there, I played a little bit of arena football for a couple of years, and this is kind of what made me kind of get into uh, high school coaching because to be honest with you uh, I realized at that level it's a business and I got tired of sleeping and living out of my suitcase to be honest with you so um, I got into high school coaching in 2006 and I have been blessed to be a part of uh, some really really good programs programs such as McEachern High School which is my alma mater I also ended up coaching there uh, programs such as uh Stockbridge High School and just really have had some really great mentors along the way guys like Kevin Whitley from Stockbridge High School Kyle Hockman from McEachan High School um Andy Dorsey from Hiram High School uh the list goes on and on you know I don't want to leave anybody out but there are plenty of people who I looked at as mentors to me and my uh upbringing through football and so uh during this journey, uh, I was blessed enough to get my first head coaching job and I was able to, you know, be a head coach for a few years. And, uh, out of those four years, I learned a bunch about being a head football coach. Uh, I learned what to do and I learned what not to do. <laughs> some things worked out. Some things didn't, um, Also, during my 15-year career, um, 10 of those seasons, I actually uh, have been a coordinator. So, I've been an offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator, and that's very rare uh, at the high school level that you meet a coach who has coordinated on both sides of the ball before he even got his first head coaching job. And so, you know, in short, you know, that's a little bit about me and kind of my journey Uh, I've had the opportunity to coach some really, really good uh, student athletes, guys who have went on to play at some big time programs and do some great things. And so now, you know, here's another chapter in my life and my career that I wanted to get started. So in today's podcast, I wanted to, you know, kind of highlight a couple of things that is going on in the world today. And hopefully we as coaches can use this uh, as a tool to actually motivate our players. So everybody knows right now, you know, we are dealing with a global crisis with the coronavirus. And what has happened is a lot of schools, well, pretty much almost all schools across the across the country, have canceled classes, have canceled school for the next couple of weeks. And we have no idea when we are coming back. Uh, Spring sports uh, are on hold and they don't even have any idea if they will get to finish their season. Along with that, me as a football coach, I have no idea if we're even going to be able to do spring football practice. So that's kind of a scary time and a scary moment for high school athletes and high school athletics because right now there's so much uncertainty. But the one thing that I do know is that eventually one day, and hopefully sometime soon, high school athletics will resume. And we want to make sure that when that happens, we are prepared. We are prepared as coaches. We are prepared as players. And so today's topic is going to be ways to keep your players focused on next season and make sure that they are still working out. I think that is very important for us as coaches to find creative ways to keep our players focused on the season and make sure that they're still taking care of their part by making sure they're working out. So that way, as soon as uh, we resume or as soon as our season starts, uh, we didn't lose you know four or five six seven weeks however long that we are out of school you know we want to make sure that everything that we have been doing up to this point uh we don't lose that as coaches it is very important for us to make sure that we are holding our players accountable um to these things and we got to make sure we are doing our part to make sure that um we are providing them with all the necessary resources and information to, to, to keep them focused on the season and to keep them working out. Because be honest with you, a lot of our players, they don't know. A lot of our parents, they don't know. And that's a part of our job. A part of our job is for us to uh, be a coach and a teacher and teach our players how to stay focused and be motivated and things like that. So what I have done was highlighted um, six main things that I have come up with um, a way, which are ways to keep our players focused for next season and to make sure that they are still working out. Uh, By no means do I have all the answers. I don't. Um, I have learned from some really good people, just like other coaches, we all learn from some really good guys we go on the internet and we find out some different ways and uh to be students of the game and to find out how can we help our programs whether we're going on the internet whether we're learning from other coaches or whether we're going to coaching clinics or whatever um there are a a unlimited amount of resources that we as coaches use if we want to be successful to help our players out so here are six main ways that I have come up with to help our players to stay focused on next season and make sure that they're still working out. Number one, put together some workouts for your players that they can do at home using the basic things that they have in their, in their house. Uh, some kids, they are blessed to have a small weight set, maybe with some dumbbells, maybe with a bench or some medicine balls. Uh, if you have a player who has these items at home, then maybe, you know, you can put together uh, more of a individual workout that is tailor-made for that kid and the equipment that he has. Um, I can remember as a kid, a uh, little funny story. Uh, I can remember as a kid when me and my cousins used to get on punishment, uh, we had a little dumbbell set in our room that... We would go and use and work out so what we would do is anytime we got put on punishment uh we would use these dumbbell sets to just work out and that was just a way for us to waste time um since we couldn't come out of our rooms because back in the days punishment um you know was a little different you know we were outdoor kids so we loved going outside so punishment for us meant staying Inside the house and not being able to go out. You know, I know it's a little different for these kids these days because they are indoor kids. So that works perfect for them. So, what we would do is to waste time um, while we were on punishment, we would take these dumbbells and we maybe had about uh, maybe 40, 50 pounds of weight. That was it. And we just found creative uh, exercises to do with these dumbbells. And I tell you what, by the time uh i got to high school me and my my cousins we probably was a little bit more like our body was a little bit more developed than the average ninth grader because we were already introduced to weights at a very young age we got introduced to weights in middle school and we would just take these dumbbells and do you know simple things like uh arm curls uh tricep extensions um and you know anything that we could think of you know we would do um you know dips on the bed you know reverse dips on the bed you know all kind of stuff so these are things that you know your players can do um now i know that all players don't have you know weights at their house some players are not blessed to have those things so You're probably saying, well, what do the, what do those players do? Uh, there are plenty of exercises they can do without weights or any equipment, believe it or not. Um, they can use some of the basic things that they have in their house. You know, to even do some exercises, uh, a couple of exercises just off the top um, that they can do. Obviously, you can do push ups. You don't need anything to do push ups. You don't need anything to do sit ups. You don't need anything to do planks. You don't need any equipment to do Russian twists or even go jogging. You know, I know people who are trying to practice their social distancing Um, during this crisis, but you know, we still can go jogging. We still can go outdoors. We just want to make sure we are not in crowded spaces. Um, your players, they can take some of the most basic items in the house, such as a chair and use it to do some upright rows or, um, rear single leg elevated squats. Um, there are so many exercises that you can do inside of your home using basic items like chairs and maybe a small coffee table now i'm gonna let you know something right now players (laughs) uh if you get in trouble for messing up your parents furniture uh do not come and blame me i'm not telling you to use your parents furniture i'm just telling you this as an idea you know what you can and can't do inside of your homes all right um another thing that you know, your players can do, they can easily uh, go outside if they have a yard and and do agility drills or go to a local park that is not very crowded and go do some running and do some agility drills, some cone work and all those things that you actually do with your program already. Uh, I think the players who are very self-motivated will go and do those things on their own if you hold them accountable to it and make sure that they are doing it all right so the next thing number two coaches use technology to your advantage all right and we live in a day and age where if you as a coach if you're not using technology um to your advantage then you are left behind because that's just the world that we live in today and some of the ways that you can use technology to your advantage um is just simply, you know, send make up the workouts, like I said in, in number one, and send them out to your players. Send them out through email, send them out through group chats or whatever. Um, as a head coach, one of the things that I had always, I had the emails of every single one of my parents um, that was in our program. And so whenever I want to email something out to them, uh, I could email it out to everybody at once. Um, You know, most of our kids—they're already on group chats with each other. I know coaches who are on group chats with their players, just make up the workout and send it out to the parents and send it out to the players, um, so that way they could have something to visually look at to guide them um, through these workouts. You can also use uh, apps such as Remind One Hundred One or web services such as Google Classroom to post the daily workouts. As teachers, these are things that we already have believed or not. Right now, I'm sitting at home and I've been told by my principal and my uh, county administrators that we are still supposed to be putting assignments on Google Classroom for our students. So why not put together a Google Classroom or some Remind 101 uh app that you can post the workouts daily for your kids that you want them to do at home all right using the basic stuff like i said that they may have in their house there's so many things that they can still do at home like i said so use you use those as a tool to send these workouts out all right next thing make make videos and post them to your team's social media accounts These days, almost you you can't find a high school team that does not have a social media account that is controlled by someone in their program. So take this social media account. You or one of your coaches post the exercises that you want them to do and and demonstrate them if you want. You know, I, I saw a video on Twitter the other day where a coach was doing a workout inside of his garage. Using the basic stuff that you see in normal garages, in most garages at home. And he was doing the workout and showing the players exactly what he wanted them to do. He wanted them to do push-ups. He wanted them to do uh, crunches. He wanted them to do planks. You know, all those things. He was doing it. And he was demonstrating it to his players. All right. You know, and you know, something that also could be a little fun that I've seen with some some of the kids. Some of the kids are actually posting their own social media videos of them working out to show their coaches like, "Hey coach, you know, even though we are out of school, I am still getting work done. Look at me." Um and I think that's a that's a great thing. Not only that, as coaches take um, advantage of that and give them praise we all know that as coaches we got to find ways to keep our players motivated so if we are giving them praise by going out there and doing this on their own by commenting uh, on their videos for doing a good job and, and being motivated uh, and, or either self you know either retweeting the videos this is something that all of our players uh, love when I when we give them praise so go ahead and make sure that anytime your player does something like that, go ahead and give them a little praise and and, and encourage them to continue to make these videos of themselves working out. Um, also, make sure your players are watching film on Huddle. Put together maybe a playlist of clips that you are putting notes on um, so that they can look at. And, you know, maybe during those notes, you can put down what they should have done on this play, what it should look like on this play. We already do that during the season, but I'm pretty sure we can go through our film and huddle and find plenty of clips and things that we can even still coach during the off season. So go in there, make a playlist um, of, of clips that, you know, it, it don't even have to be a lot of clips. It could just be like 10 clips you know, and put notes on there for them. Um, Video conferencing. This is something that I started to kind of research with, you know, recently. And I had a lot of people, a lot of my friends on Facebook and social media kind of reach out to me with different um, apps that you can use to do video conferencing. Most administrators right now, this is how they're holding their meetings because they can't be at the school. So what they're doing is video conferencing. There are uh, a bunch of apps that I have found that you can do video conferencing with your players uh, such as Zoom, Google Hangout, Microsoft teams, Google Meet. Um, recently, I you know got a, a account on Zoom and realized that you, you can have um, a video conferencing meeting, with your players for up to 100 players on zoom for free many of these apps um they 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 do have a plan where it costs a little bit but some of them have plans where they are free so on zoom you can do up to 40 minutes of video conferencing up to 100 people at once all right. And it doesn't cost you a dime. You can do it for free. Use this as a tool to video conference with your players and kind of, you know, have meetings with them and talk to them um, through, through video conferencing. Um, all of these ideas I have given you to get your workouts to your players. Like I said, they are free or cost very little. All right. Number three. All right. Um, this is something that pretty much almost every single player has these days, which is a personal trainer. Uh, I would not recommend doing a personal training session with a group of people though. What I would do is I would get with, if I have a personal trainer or I have a child who has a personal trainer, I am going to try to get a session with a one-on-one session. I with just a player and the personal trainer, because right now, like I said, we're supposed to be practicing uh, our social distancing and not being in places with large crowds. So I wouldn't want my player to be at a session with, you know, 10 or 12 kids like some of the sessions you see. What I would probably get is get a session with my personal trainer uh, where I can be one on one with them, Um, you know, as coaches you know, you know, we, we have to follow the rules of the school. So we can't do personal training with our kids right now. The school says all activities are shut down. No, no sports. So therefore I can't go on campus. I can't go bring my team to a park and practice or anything like that. But personal trainers, they kind of operate on a different set of guidelines and rules because this is their personal business. This is their personal business. So they don't have to shut down their business just because um the school said no athletic activities so maybe go ahead and see if you can't find a personal trainer if you have the money to get one and see about doing a one-on-one personal training session um so that's that's number three number four um continue to motivate your players and keep their eyes on the prize by sending out daily motivational quotes uh one of the things that i you know did when i became a head coach was i took something from almost each and every single head coach that i served under and brought it with me to my own program one of the things that i took with with me from stockbridge high school from a guy named kevin whitley who is now the defensive back coach at georgia southern um was you know, just having motivational quotes every week for my players and talk about it at practice. So this is something that you can do from home. Easily, like I said, you know, find, you know, some sort of group chat, you know, text message your players, whatever, and send out daily motivational quotes. Put it on your um, your team's webpage. Put it on your team's social media accounts. Just send out daily motivational quotes to let them know that you are still trying to find ways to motivate them, uh, even though they can't actually do anything with athletics with the school right now. You also want to continuously emphasize your team goals to your players. Um, every single team has team goals. Make sure you are continuously emphasizing those team goals to your players, um so that way they can still kind of keep their eyes on the prize and keep their eyes on why they are actually doing what they are doing. Okay? Number 5. Use this time to bond with your players off the field by calling them personally, texting them or whatever. And I kind of already talked about the group chat thing, but you know, this is also a great opportunity for us to get to know our players off the field we spend so much time coaching our players on the field that i think that as coaches we don't always take enough time to get to know our players off the field and know what their home life is always like know what they like to do what their interests are outside of sports so you know just pick up the phone call one or two of them a day um one of the things that i used to do um when i was uh bringing up the rising ninth graders from our middle school program to kind of make sure that you know they know what we're doing at the high school uh i used to take about five or six kids and assign them to an assistant coach so i would say assistant coach number one you have these five or six assistant assistant coach number two you have these five or six guys and your job is to keep in touch during the spring, all the way up until they get foot on campus, because kids these days, if you don't keep in touch with them, they will leave and they will not, or they will not show up to workouts. So, uh, I would take the assistant coaches and tell them, your job is to talk to and uh, make sure you're keeping in touch with these five or six kids. You know, kind of treat it like you are a college recruiter and you were calling these kids regularly you know at least once a week where you are building relationships with those players all right number six which is my final um my final one find out who your team leaders are and have them reach out to players on the team uh to hold them accountable as well you know i I always say that your team is made up of uh 30 percent at of your players are at the top and these are the players who are going to do you know exactly what you always ask them to do. They're gonna do right, they're gonna be at practice every day. They're gonna come, they're gonna work hard. And these are more so your leaders. But then you have your bottom 30% of players who these are the players um they're gonna miss practices, they're gonna make excuses, um, they're gonna you know not do what they're supposed to do off the field. And then you have your middle 40 percent these are the players who can go either way they can move into the top 30 or they can move into the bottom 30 percent and what happens is you want that top 30 percent to influence those middle 40 percent guys because the middle 40 percent guys they're just kind of in the middle and they don't really quite know what side they want to be on yet they just trying to figure it out You know, and what you hope is that your culture is so strong with that top 30 percent that they will pull those guys who are in the middle up. And that's what you want. You want you want to make sure that uh, you are finding out who your team leaders are um, to to pull up those guys who are in the middle and hopefully pull up some of them guys from the bottom 30 uh, and continue to hold those guys accountable. I always tell my I always tell my players that. Um, on bad teams, there are no leaders on good teams. The coaches lead on great teams. The players lead. Whenever you find a team where the players are leading, then they have a great chance for success in the season. Um, in closing, one of the things that, uh, I think of this crisis is, um, one of the things I think is going to do for coaches and athletes is, We are going to see who our real leaders are on the team, all right, and who's really self-motivated to prepare themselves for their upcoming season because we're going to find out who's willing to work and be self-motivated to get themselves prepared, all right? That's my time, y'all, okay? That's a wrap for this episode of the Behind the Mark podcast, thank you to all my listeners out there. I pray that each and every single person that is listening was able to take something from this show that would impact or change your life in some sort of way. Uh, catch you guys next week for my next episode. Make sure you tune in. I have a very special guest that I'm going to be on the phone with. And, uh, I believe that he has a message, uh, for you that can help you, whether you are a coach, whether you are a player Uh, whether you are a parent, all right, tune in next week. Goodbye.